Good morning. Happy Father's Day. Uh, before you get too comfortable, I'm curious. Uh, the father's in the house today. So if you're a father, would you just stand? I'm not going to embarrass you, I promise. I just want an idea of who we're talking to, who we're talking to this morning. Let's give it up for these men, right? All right, stay standing for a second. Stay standing for a second. Just want to get an eye on our family meeting today. Okay, you may have a seat. All right, we are in Philippians chapters three this morning. Ah, uh, we have been marching through the vintage church and what that looks like, the early church, Paul's missionary journeys. Um, and at this point, as he's writing this letter to the church of Philippi, uh, there's no better word for his letter or the stage of the, the state of the church or the stage that maybe even Paul himself as the leader of these churches as he's spreading the gospel, as God is supernaturally moving and growing this amazing movement. Um, there's no other word for it probably better than the word triumph. Now, we are spending five weeks on triumph, and uh, someone said the other day, they're like, dude, you're, you're like, you always use great props, but I haven't seen a prop in a long time. So today's the day. Uh, don't be alarmed, this is not a real gun, okay? <laughs> so we are here, we are studying the Venice Church, we are triumph, we're talking about Paul, but most, more uh, appropriately, we are talking today about fathers. Now, uh, before we get into that, and, and I want to just say uh, very clearly, a lot of times when you're up here, one of the hardest things to do is to... Uh, be all-inclusive with the direction of the content that is truly all-inclusive. The gospel is for everyone. Uh, God's love is for everyone. But sometimes when you're up here, you, it's hard to be able to balance uh, the, where to be exhortive and where to be encouraging and where to not be like so encouraging and be very true. Like sometimes there's this hard balance, but I want to be very clear at the beginning today that fathers that stood, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to me. This is, a, this is a family meeting today. A moment where we as fathers can just see Paul's example and what he's inviting us into as well as be challenged by it. Um, I know there's other people in the room besides the people that stood. And so I know this is also a hard day. In fact, I would say 90% of the conversations I've had already this morning was the reasons of, other than people saying Happy Father's Day, the other conversations were why this day is difficult. Um, whether by your own father or by the, by the fact of your kid's father or some other reason why uh, death has come or circumstances come and why this day is, 
It's just, it's just hard for you. But, but I do believe with all my heart that God's Word takes the difficult, takes the challenge, takes the what isn't so clear, what isn't so easy, and He makes it absolutely truthful and encouraging and exhorting. And He builds us. And He fills us. And the best part of it all, no matter where you're at this morning, whether you're, this is a hard day, and maybe you, you even question to come, or maybe you're sitting here and you're already like checked out because I mentioned fathers on Father's Day. And it, it's a reality. But understand that more than anything, He's present. Right here, right now, with you. He knows where you're at. He knows what's been done. And whether you're a victim of that, or whether you um, or the culprit of that shortcoming. Um, understand that Christ, that His Holy Spirit is here. And that He loves you. Um, and that He wants you to know the full truth. This isn't a day to beat up on dads. <laughs> that would be an awkward burger bar. Um, <laughs> man, that guy was a jerk. Um, I'm never coming back here. But this is also not just a day to be like, hey! Fathers, you're doing a great job. Because in reality, I don't feel that we are. So let's look at what Paul says, what God's Word says about it, and let's look at the areas where we need to grow. Because a leader, a father, a dad, a man is a learner. And so we, have, we need to admit that right out of the gate. And whether you're here this morning, even as a, a young man and not a father Yet, understand that the, the, the environment of this message is just as applicable to you as a leader, just as applicable to any of us as leaders, as parents, um, as, as it is us fathers. So this morning, um, I want you to look at uh, Philippians chapter 3 and verses 17. Paul says something here that I think is uh, a shift in all of his teaching it's a bold statement. It's a bold ask. Um, and this is what he says. Uh, Philippians chapter 3 and verse 17. He says, Brothers, church, join in imitating me. And keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Referring to him and Timothy and the other church leaders. Guys, listen, this is, a, this is a, I think, a bold move. Paul, a man, a guy who came from like killing Christians, hunting them down, those that followed Jesus Christ, to being a new Christian, to now taking the way and the gospel and the grace and the love and the truth of this amazing Savior. And passing it and sharing it all around the world. The Great Commission. He, he went from that process. And in that process, his message here, his loud and clear message is imitate me. And these other men. And immediately, we start like plugging holes in the, and, and, or we start like shooting holes in the boat because we're like, Paul, do you, bro, do you realize what you've, what you're like, Hey, bud, have you seen your resume? And we do that every day in our lives with other people, don't we? 
to the point where we never have those examples. We never have fathers telling their sons, hey bud, be just like me. Do we? I mean, have you ever, has your dad ever said that to you? Even amazing and great dads, and I've been blessed with an amazing father. But I've never heard even amazing fathers or good fathers or fathers that think that they've hit the mark in some way, shape, or form look at their kids and say, hey, bud, come here. I, w- I want you to be exactly like me. Just imitate me. Mimic me. Everything I do, you do it. No one has that boldness. Would you agree with that? But here's what I would argue, the flip side of that. Even if we don't say it, they're doing it. We don't need to say it. So Paul jumps ahead and he's like, listen everybody, I just, I just want to invite you to imitate me. Now in imitating me, it's not just left to his shortcomings. He's humble enough actually to call out his successes. He's humble enough to call out that his success doesn't come from his own um, ability. It comes from his Savior. The strength comes from his Savior. The hope comes from his Savior. The grace comes from his Savior. And it's so clear what he's calling and inviting people to do is not a reflection of Paul. It's a reflection of Christ in Paul. Does that make sense? And so for us dads, it's our opportunity to invite our kids to invite our families to imitate, not us, but Christ in us. Amen? Seems pretty pretty clear, pretty basic so far. Um, I've been uh, pastoring for 14 years, and I'm not a big points person, but the last, like, three weeks, I don't know what's up with me. The last three weeks, I've been giving points. So I got three points today. Are you ready for this? So, hey girl. Uh, so three, this is today's message. Are you ready? And this is a good take notes kind of day. Three issues of a no daddy issue kind of dad. Three issues of a no daddy issue kind of dad. Now, you've heard the phrase, man, they got daddy issues. it's laughable now but I bet every single person in this room every single soul in this room has some form of daddy issues dad has passed some stuff on to us some amazing things some not-so-amazing things. Some things in between that are just, like, quirky and weird, um, which I want to get into, but that's, like, really obvious in my family. I get called Jim Errett all the time. And that's Jim Errett right there. Um, that's me. We pick up things from Dad, don't we? That's what we would call Daddy Issues. And obviously, this, in context, Daddy Issues become more uh, used in areas of struggle. Used an area of deep emotional turmoil, hurt, and pain. So I'm bringing up daddy issues, but I'm not, I'm not doing it lightly. Or I'm not, I want to tread lightly on it, and I want to be very sensitive to it, because I understand that we are all affected by it. 
But my desire today, and I, I want you to hear me on this, especially if you've been affected negatively by uh, daddy issues. Um, this is not a day to talk about what you've been affected by in the past. Hopefully today in the present is a day of, of a bit of a of healing moment for you. But what I'm really challenging us as fathers to do is in regard to us and what we give out, what we send out as issues to our kids. You see, I, 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 want, I, I want so bad as a father to pass on lots of issues to my kids, but I don't want them to trip and get clogged on the issues that I'm handing them. I don't want them to, to, to literally not be able to function and life to pass through them because of me. That's devastating. But here we sit in a room full of people that have been greatly affected by daddy issues. Um, so three issues of a no daddy issue kind of dad. Three things. First is believe. Second is be I'll expand more on that. Uh, second is be worth imitating. And the third one is self-aware, not self-indulgence. Self-aware, not self-indulgence. So believe, be worth imitating, and self-aware, not self-indulgent. We were not alliterative, alliterating today because that would be BS. BBS. Thank you. Um, so, a daddy issue is this. A couple weeks ago, celebrating my man, Ori Gearing's birthday, uh, their family is quite creative in that every, uh, the last few years, um, for his birthday, they, they tried these, like, different, how would, you, how would you describe these? Like, war games or, like, uh, what's that? Totally. Like these opportunities to like shoot each other with things or tag each other with things or put each other in jail. Like usually it's, or it's been out in the woods. And, but, but a couple weeks ago, um, there were, it was in the yard and it was all these different pallets set up and about 10 or so boys that were over all around the age of 10 and they were in, uh, entrusted to take pieces of PVC and to make it a arsenal and shoot marshmallows. Have you ever done this? Right. Super fun. Now, I was actually worried about this because it's so hot in here that these were going to be toasty and, like, melt as I shoot them. Remember, somebody's got to clean this. Have you ever seen one of these shoot? Can I just, do you mind? Okay, all right. I'll shoot it this way first. All right. Pretty legit, right? All right. Do you think I can hit? All right, let me see if I can get all the way in the back. Ready? Yeah. Not bad. Yeah. You're supposed to catch that in your mouth. Ah. <laughs> Happy Father's Day. Which, by the way, this morning, I don't know if any dads had this thought, but literally my wife's like running 100 miles an hour. She's doing all these things to try to make the morning special and doing all these things. And like she's remembering things that like all I had to do literally was like 
drink coffee and study and show up. That was like my responsibility this morning. She's running and doing like 100 million things. And I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, there should literally be two Mother's Days. Anybody agree with that? Okay. So kudos to you moms. But it's not about you today, all right? So here's how it works. We gave a bag, like a Ziploc bag. And I'm not going to take this apart for time's sake because I only have 20. Oh, man, I need to get rolling. Okay, so, so basically we handed these 10-year-olds a bag full of these pieces, right? And we had, and like, I cut the pieces and, and, and Pastor Ben, like, mapped out the, the strategy of all this and, and, like, what goes in each bag and all that. But handing it to them for the first time, all they're seeing is a bag with pieces, in a big giant bucket basket full of marshmallows. So there's this excitement of like, yeah, I gotta get mine together. Like, how do I do it, right? And so one of the biggest challenges in walking them through this gun, obviously they understand that you blow, the marshmallow shoots out, and it hits the person in the eye, and they win, and then they go to jail, and the game goes on, right? Like, they understand that part, but maybe they didn't understand how exactly each piece goes where. And obviously these two pieces are handles. And as you, it's not loaded, Okay, just as you shoot, something bad happens here if you don't do it the right way. And I noticed that these caps, although they seem completely pointless like right now, without these caps on it, it won't shoot. I understand that this is not deeply intelligent, but I understand, you need to understand that neither is being a dad. Right? And in this moment, and in this moment, I'm, I'm trying to tell the kids and show them and how, like, each one of these pieces are so important and they got to be pointed a certain way so that the marshmallow, and all the pressure from your mouth goes to the marshmallow and it's got nowhere else to go. This isn't one of those, like, the marshmallow goes, it's supposed to literally go, pew. Right? And the pressure that builds up inside of this takes that marshmallow and it shoots it to the other side. Right? Now, I was watching these kids put it together. And they were leaving caps off because it didn't seem meaningful. Or I was seeing, like, different things being put in different places. And here's what I've noticed is that I even saw this. I, I won't point out which 10-year-old boy it was. So, like, how is this not, that's not going to go very well, right? Like, that's going to backfire, and you're going to lose a leg, and it's going to just be bad, right? Um, this is essentially, as much of a father, son, parent, mom, dad, or mom, kid thing, thing this is, like, this is the best illustration I could think of for daddy issues. You like that? <laughs> you like that, Nate? So this is it, Nate. So basically it was truly taking something that is my issue and making it their issue. Something will malfunction. I get in the way. I give them something that is truly a distraction for them, uh, a hurt for them. This is not how it's supposed to be. It literally clogs the tube. 
It literally blocks the function of what it's supposed to be. And if daddy issues are anything, that's it. It blocks us, clogs us from what God has truly made us to be. Now, again, let me remind you, today is not a day to be focused on what those clogs look like or to point finger or point blame or anything. If anything, today is the day to drop that. And it's a day to honor. It's a day about honor. But I'm, talking, I'm not talking to your dad. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to me. Because I'm concerned this morning about what we give our kids and what is clogging them from their life truly functioning and being what it should be for the glory of Jesus Christ and for their ultimate joy. The daddy issues that we hand off, shut them down. It shuts them down. And I want to encourage you, I want to challenge you dads this morning in these three areas of where Paul invites us into imitating him, what that looks like to be a non-daddy issue kind of dad. Number one, believe. Believe. Chapter 3, verse 7, I want you to see that. It says, but what, this is Paul. He's obviously done some amazing things. He's obviously seen the church grow. He's obviously traveled and given himself. And at this point, he's writing from prison. He's reflecting on his life. He's reflecting on what God has done in him and through him. And from a humble perspective, he's recognizing those successes. Not from something he has attained, but something God has done through him. But listen to how he describes it. But whatever gain I had, I count it as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I had suffered loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, not focusing on what you miss and what you don't miss, not focusing on the law and forcing people to understand that what you do for Christ is something you just do and just walk a straight line and just fulfill the law, specifically the law of the Old Testament or the Ten Commandments. It's not, it's not just about fulfilling what you shouldn't do. It's something that and something else called grace. It's the thing that he's calling us and encouraging us to as well, but that which comes through faith. In Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. How do we become holy? How do we become righteous? How do we be a dad that's fully forgiven and fully heaven-bound and fully passing that through and fully giving our kids an opportunity to have nothing clog their way, to stop their way, nothing capping their potential, nothing holding them down. It's for us to have the righteousness of Jesus Christ and not the righteousness of dad. It's not about the money we make, the things we say, or all these other things first. It's about Christ in us and allowing our successes to come from Him. Allowing our joy to come from Him and not this sense of attaining something on our own. Does that make sense? And we know this, but sometimes even like 
seriously, this is, this is to me as if it's to any of anybody else to be discouraged reflecting on things this week in my own life, my own heart, like being discouraged about things that don't matter and being reminded once I got in his word of things that do matter, things that ultimately matter, things that are rooted in who Paul was and who Paul was and who he's saying imitate me was a person following after Christ. His uh, we talked about this last week. His reference point was Christ. His reference point was Christ in the midst of his suffering. It was about Christ. His, his, his prison sentence, him being arrested for sharing the gospel, was because of this rooted joy in who Christ was in his life. It's not the righteousness of, its own, of his own, but it's faith in Christ. That I may know... This is his ultimate desire, that he may know the power, him, and the power of his resurrection, and he may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. And a few verses down in verse 14, he says, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward calling of God in Christ Jesus. So what he's striving for, what he's running after, what he's willing to fight for, what he's laid his life down for, it's the cause of Jesus Christ, the gospel and him and the world and every relationship he has all around us. As God asked you, literally, I mean like actually, has he asked you to go around the world and share the gospel? Figuratively, of course, the Great Commission. But literally, has he asked you to do that? Maybe not. But what he has asked you to share the gospel with is everybody in your life, in your workplace, your home, your church, and in your community. And this is what he's striving for. And this is what he means to, to imitate Paul. Was he ultimately believed in Jesus. He ultimately believed in his plan. Quickly, turn to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Just a couple books over. You're familiar with this verse. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. This is in context of some difficult things that, that Paul had in his life. Same guy. He had some struggles, or he had, um, he doesn't identify exactly what it is, but he refers to it as a thorn in the flesh that has made him weak. Listen, he says in verse 9, but he, meaning God, meaning his spirit to him, said to him, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So I hate to just like grab that verse real quick and, and springboard off that, but it has everything to do with both in that context and this context, what I'm trying to say. Paul looks at it and says, I am so weak. I, am, I had this thing, I had this thorn in my flesh. I had this thing that's like, like it's, it's, it's clogging everything in my life. It's holding me down. It's holding me back. But God, your strength is enough. Your strength is sufficient for me. Now here's, here's what I'm, I'm challenging you in this first one I'm asking you to believe in. Men, how dare we believe that God's grace is sufficient for me and not them?
as a dad, we can't be we can't be prideful to the point where I want God's grace so much for me that it's so God, your strength is made perfect in my weakness. Like, let it flow. But when we have the opportunity to show grace to our wife, to our kids, and to everyone around us, we don't. So it's belief. It's believing in that core value to the, like, to the, to the, to the deepest part of our soul. We have to believe. We have to believe that if God's grace is sufficient for me, it's also sufficient for them. That, that God's strength is made perfect in their weakness. Believing in others. Believing in who they are and who Christ had made them to be. Who Christ is the reference point in their life. And that God is showing them something in their life. As fathers, to our kids, to see them in their struggles. It's not a reflection of us, although it may be really obvious that it seems like it is. It's ultimately an opportunity for us to show grace. It's ultimately an opportunity for us to believe that God's grace is sufficient for them as well. To our own kids. To our own dads, guys. It's believing in that. It's leading the charge in that. Second one is be worth imitating. Be worth imitating. Imitating. So this is not about true manhood of which our culture has defined true manhood, which is, I understand, in 2017, is quite a buzz conversation, which hopefully we don't get too on that subject. But let's just go to what the Word describes. Um, the Word describes in verse, look at verse chapter 2, in verse 19, we're going back a chapter, Philippians chapter 2 and verse 19. This is, this is Paul, and he's describing his relationship with a guy named Timothy, which we've heard about quite a bit in the vintage church. Just listen to these words. I hope in the Lord Jesus Christ to send Timothy to you. So again, this is a church in a city called Philippi, and he's uh, desiring to set up leadership. He's desiring to set up uh, a good uh, leaders for people to imitate Christ to that congregation. And he's calling Timothy out that he wants to send Timothy there and he describes why. Verse 20, For I have no one like him. There's nobody like this guy. There's nobody like this guy. He's worth following. He will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests and not the interests of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. He, he's, Timothy's not Paul's son, but he calls him his son. Like a son. He's so proud. He's so believing. He's so... Uh, God's grace is sufficient for Timothy. Like, even Timothy and all his shortcomings, I'm sure he had a ton of them. But you didn't hear it from Paul. Paul said, I'm so confident with sending him. He's like his son. And I was like his father. And I can't wait till he gets there because he is so genuinely concerned for your welfare, for, for your life as a shepherd to you. 
He's so genuinely concerned. That is worth imitating. So be that guy. Don't be this guy. A chapter later, after Paul says in verse 17, join in imitating me. Keep your eyes on those who walk to the example you have in us. For many of whom, don't be this guy. Many of these men, I have often told you and now even tell you with tears, walk, these men walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. And they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. Be the guy that's this guy. Our citizenship is in heaven from which we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to the subject of all things to himself. He's not calling out other men to be, to be a jerk. He's simply calling them out in this context for men to be like him and for men to be ultimately like Christ. Be worth imitating. Number three, self-aware, not self-indulgent. Self-aware, not self-indulgent. These men that had their, bel- their bellies be their God, that walk as enemies of the cross of Christ, their end is destruction, and they glory in their shame. I think it's really, in our culture, it's really easy to see that. That they glory in their shame. Being a good dad stands out unfortunately, in our culture. We've dropped the ball as men, as fathers. We've been in a place where we don't even know who to imitate. It's not even super clear anymore. Who, who, who are we supposed I think that's why we've reverted past what Paul's saying and inviting people to imitate me because we can't find anybody to imitate that's worth imitating. And so that, that challenge for us to be self-aware is understanding and being humble enough to realize that we do not have all the answers. But don't be self-indulgent enough that we're justifying all the, mis- the shortcomings that we have. Paul is inviting us to be like him, and being like him is not self-indulgent. It's not about him. When he's in prison, is he talking about how horrible this is? No. I mean, he's not... He goes on later to talk about how it's not easy. But the purpose of why he is there is to further the gospel, and he is all about that. Um, what does this look like in 2017 for a father? Um, it, it, it looks like, no, you're not going to maybe be in prison for sharing the gospel to your kids. Um, you're probably not going to be challenged in that way, but where you will be challenged is in this area, that you you wouldn't be self-aware and that you would be truly self-indulgent. Our culture has invited us men to partake in many things that are nothing but a distraction in our life. Uh, Nothing but a uh, time passer. Hobbies, all over the place. And our hobbies wrong. But ultimately, 
I feel like the enemy's goal is to simply draw us out of line. To get us distracted on something else other than the women, the boys, the girls that we have in our family, in our home, the, 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 our wife that, that needs us, our son that needs us. And a lot of times we're, we're like, hey, figure, figure this out, bud. Some great books, get to church, go to school, do that thing, coach will help you. And we step out of line. And yes, we should find great teachers and great coaches and great people in our boys and girls' lives. And, and, and encourage our wife, even in that realm too, to have great influences in her life that are going to encourage them and ultimately help them, help them fly and flourish. But if we're self-indulgent, if it's about getting them busy just so that we can be, have our own space, our own time, and our own thing, then that's self-indulgent. What Paul is like, he's not just saying, hey guys, show up on Sunday morning at church and I want you to, when you get there, I want you to dress like me. I want you to sing like me. I want you to act just like me. Imitate me in that. He's not talking about Sunday morning. He's talking about every morning and every night and every moment. He's, in, he's challenging us to something that's so much bigger than just those tiny moments of when we need to be a good dad on Father's Day, on Mother's Day, on your kid's birthday. He's challenging us to the very core of who we are. That we'd be self-aware enough to know what it looks like to lead. That we know what it looks like to serve. I, I, I get like sick when I, when I see um, where our culture right now has this tug of war about specifically gender issues and and where we're at, and I, I know everybody just started paying attention, so I appreciate that. Um, but there's this, this war happening of, of, of like empowering certain ages or genders or empowering certain things or, or perspectives. And all while, all while, the elephant in the room is that men are called to be men and not boys. That we men are, are called to step in a role that we would have enough guts like Paul to say, imitate me. Do what I do. Follow me. And we don't hear that. And I think even uh, when we're reading this today, two times when Paul says, uh, imitate me, what's the first word he says in that verse? He says, brothers what about the sisters and then early on a few verses up he says the same thing and all the ladies in 2017 are like wait a minute this isn't right why are they leaving the women out and I like and I, I agree with you there like I understand that if you're just reading you're like wait a minute why why does the Bible talk so much about or address men it's not excluding the women. The elephant in the room is it's calling us men out. Who's supposed to be leading them? 
Who's supposed to be sharing and giving and feeding constantly the message of the gospel to them? It's us men. There's this, this like honestly, probably up until 2000 something, this was understood. And now we're skirting around like in our culture, even in our church, it's easy for us to be like, well, it's about this and it's about that. No, ultimately it's what God has, has set in motion since the beginning of time. Since the first week he created the world, when he gave us Adam and he gave us Eve, or he made Adam and he made Eve. Adam did not lead well. Adam left her wondering. I mean, it doesn't expound a ton on that, but it goes obvious that like God had told Adam to lead. He had told him to lead, and to lead means to serve, not say, I'm the boss, don't you dare eat that fruit, be all, all like angry, like, like, like encouraging her to just follow his lead and do what he says. That's not what it was about at all. There was this, this beauty in there, the unity in who they were. They didn't even know the other perspectives. And the fact that she ate the fruit and she sinned, but the rest of the Bible says that Adam sinned. Why did Adam sin? Because he led her wondering, is there something else better than God's way? Is there something else better than the life that God's given us in this moment? He dropped the ball. He dropped the ball. And so my encouragement, my challenge to us men is that it's not about who's being left out here. It's going, it's going with a, an assumption that we are to lead in a way that it helps women, it helps kids, it helps everyone fly and flourish. It helps other men fly and flourish. It helps other men be encouraged and challenged in who Paul is saying we should be. This morning, I was, uh, uh, I was on the front porch and I was studying and um, I knew everybody was up because I could hear like the rumble. I could hear like an old farmhouse, like, you, like you hear everything. It's either the squirrels in the attic or it's the kids. I just could hear lots of uh, clatter. And I began to look in the window and had that like front porch looking in moment. Beautiful morning. And uh, seeing like my wife run around like crazy and just she's like uh, such a servant to to us all and such an amazing person and seeing my kids like I think she prompted this like telling them to come out one by one and give me a hug and say happy father's day and all that like I don't think they came to man, I don't know but I appreciate that and my son Declan came out and he said something that I'll never forget uh, he says what he comes out and he's like <laughs> he's like what you preaching and uh, he's like and so I was telling him I'm preaching about fathers and about Paul's invitation to say, uh, hey, imitate me, imitate me. And um, he's like, he's like, oh yeah, he's like, um, and he said something that had nothing to do with that. And I said, hey bud, have you ever led before? He's like, you mean like a line leader? And I go, mm, yeah, yeah, maybe. What, what's it like to be a line leader? What's it like to be a line leader at school? Like, and do you get to be a line leader? He's like, not as much as I want. Um, what's it like to be a line leader? And he literally, he thought about this. And he thought about this. And I'm like, I'm on to something with this. This is good. 
Because from a child's perspective, they like, they see it all, right? And it's so simple. And it's so right. And he said this. He says, um, in order to be a line leader, you need to go, or you need to know where you're going and how to get there. That's the sermon. That's it. As a line leader, leading all those kids flying down the hall, like rubbing their hand against the wall, being told to get back and make the line straight, ultimately, it's about that person in the front. That it's their turn to lead. Maybe they've never done it before. But they get to lead because they know where to go and they know how to get there. Dads, do you know where to go? Do you know how to get there? You know it's Christ and you know it's in you. By faith, his righteousness on you. May we be men that know how to lead because we know where to go and we know how to get there. And everybody behind us, whether it's our turn to lead or not, everybody behind us will benefit and be safe and will fly and flourish because of our influence by the grace of God. I'm going to ask one more time as we close in prayer. I'm going to ask all the men that stood at the beginning. If you're a father, would you just stand? I'm going to ask uh, you men to be praying for each other. To be challenged. To be encouraged. And may you know that regardless of your age, how new you are as a father, I see some new fathers in the house. I see some older fathers. Whether you're new or old or whether you got it, some experience or no experience. May you understand that we're imitating each other. For better or for worse, we're learning from your example. And I praise God for you. And I thank God for you. And what you're doing in this community, and what you're doing in this church, and ultimately is an outflow from your home. I want to invite the rest of you to literally just take a moment and pray for these men. If you want to extend a hand towards a, a dad near you, if you can reach him, put your hand on him, and let's just pray and ask God's leadership to overflow to their life. God, thank you so much for who you are. I thank you, God, for what you've done in our lives, and you've given us this amazing gift, opportunity to be a dad. Man, it's humbling. May we believe and be worth imitating, and we know we're fully aware of who you are in us. We celebrate that this morning. We pray for your grace and your peace over these men and the pressure that it is sometimes to be a dad, to provide, to, to, to be the tough and tender leader that we should be. To have the answers. To love our spouse and to love our kids and to love big to everyone all around us. Thank you, Father, for this opportunity. I pray for these men. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.